This morning's reading is from 1 John, chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Test the spirits. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is the word of the Lord. As we stand, let's pray. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we believe in you. We believe in you through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom we place all our trust. And we believe in you, Father and Son, because of the work of your Holy Spirit within us. And we believe in you, Holy Spirit. And so, Father, Son, and Spirit, would you so write the truth of yourself on our hearts today that we may believe and testify to our faith, that we may know the truth, and the truth may set us free. This we ask to your greater glory. Amen. I'll do please be seated. Welcome to you. If uh, this is your first time uh, at St. John's uh, this morning, uh, welcome to you. If you're joining us uh, online as well, uh, at home or later on uh, on catch-up, uh, you've joined us when we're uh, about a third or two-thirds of the way through uh, a series in a letter by a man called John uh, in the latter part of the New Testament. John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Je- uh, John saw and heard and touched Jesus, and then he wrote down in what we call his gospel uh, what he saw and heard, so that as we believed what he saw and heard, so we might have life in Jesus' name. And then he wrote this letter that we've been studying to those already, who had already become believers in Jesus to encourage them when all sorts of things had come into their common life uh, in their church to unsettle them. They'd experienced division Uh, They'd experienced opposition uh, from those who once walked with them, but who now scoffed at their faith. They already felt themselves so small and powerless uh, against the background of an unbelieving and confident world. And even within their own little congregation, some had risen up and gone away and tried to take others away with them. They were discouraged uh, and they were disheartened. And John writes them this letter to assure them that if they're trusting Jesus and if they're loving one another and they're seeking humbly to obey the word of God, then they are real believers. Whatever they think about themselves, whatever others may think about them, 
whatever scorn the world may put in. John writes this as a letter of reassurance to embattled believers. So if you're joining us today, halfway through, two-thirds of the way through this series, uh, I could encourage you to read the letter from the beginning. Perhaps go back and listen uh, to some of the earlier sermons. uh, And let God, if you're a Christian believer struggling, speak to your soul words of great strengthening and encouragement. And if you're not yet a Christian, we'll listen in as well, because this is what it means to trust Jesus and to live out that faith in loving others and obeying the word of God. And we'd love you to join us on that journey of following Jesus yourselves. God is light. God is love. Those are the two great truths uh, that undergird everything John says uh, in this letter. And uh, as we come to uh, chapter 4 today, John uh, speaks to us of testing uh, the trouble that has come to the church there is that people were rising up and trying to lead others away who were still talking about Jesus and about faith and yet it wasn't the Jesus that John and the apostles had brought it wasn't the Jesus who really was God in the flesh it wasn't the Jesus who was the savior of the world it was a different Jesus and so John says well we need to test the spirits to make sure that the one we're following and what we're listening to is really that which God has given, the Son he has sent and the Spirit that he has poured out. Are we listening to the Holy Spirit and following the real Jesus? Test the spirits, he says. Test everything. I know testing can sound wearisome, and testing is a part of our everyday lives, and it's the same here. Uh, We have to, those of us who own cars, have our cars tested every year, don't we, to get their MOT certificate. And uh, if you take your car to a friendly garage, uh, as we do uh, ours, they're really good at uh, doing just the necessary work to get it through the test. Uh, And every now and again, uh, just helping us with a little bit of advice. Did you know if there's a bit of protruding rusty bodywork, it'll fail the MOT, cover it with tank tape, our garage says, and uh, then you'll get through. It's worked for two years now. I dare not peel off the tank tape. I'm not sure what will be left underneath in that particular part of the bodywork. Or we understand testing in the world of exams, uh, don't we? And yet we also know that testing is tough. What will be the, uh, how will the GCSEs uh, that have been awarded uh, to this summer, God willing, to my daughter and many of our children here, uh, what will they mean given that they never sat an exam? What will they mean for last summer's cohort and possibly next summer's as well of those public exams? What does testing mean uh, in the coronavirus world? We have to test money as well. Uh, when I used to work into a, in a shop, uh, I would uh, take the, uh, the money that I was offered. By the way, which one of these do you think is, is genuine, right hand or left hand? That's enough of a view of that. Uh, put your hand up if you think my left hand was uh, holding the genuine note. Uh, put your hand up if you think the right hand was holding the genuine note. Oh, you saw too quickly. Absolutely. There you go. I, I, uh, there's, uh, there's a fake note. Uh, it's not real. Don't worry. No real money was hurt in the pursuit of this visual aid. Uh, But it looked, uh, at a brief glimpse, as if it was genuine, but it wasn't. And so when I used to work in a shop, I would take a real note. I'm not tearing this one up. uh, And you'd put it under the little machine, or you'd use a pen uh, to check. 
And of course, you'd have those customers who always thought they were being so amusing when they tested the note you gave them in their chains. After the first hundred times, it doesn't seem quite so amusing. But uh, there we go. Uh, we have to test all sorts of things. We are familiar with testing. Testing cars, testing exams, testing money. Well, this test that John is talking about, testing the spirits, this really matters. You see, we test our cars because we want to get the insurance and we want to be responsible drivers and stay safe. But yet our destination is only the supermarket or maybe, uh, if we're fortunate, the holiday destination. What John is talking about is the eternal destination of heaven or hell. It really matters that we're going in the right direction in, as it were, uh, the spiritual equivalent of a roadworthy vehicle on this journey. All those exams, the GCSEs, the A-levels, the uh, degrees, they equip us for the next stage of our learning and eventually uh, for our job and, God willing, 30 or 40 years of productive labor. Well, these tests prepare us for knowing God and serving and loving him in this world and preparing us for an eternity in his presence. These really matter. I'll think of the small matter of money. Uh, If I could have just printed a few thousand of these, then we'd be all right in the church finances. It doesn't work that way, does it? Uh, The banks don't tend to like it when it comes off the photocopier. But actually, what we're talking about in the gospel is true riches, eternal riches, not cash that we need to get through, whether it's in our common life or in our individual lives but the richness of knowing God in his fullness, his grace and his truth, and being given an abundant gift that we can share with others. Now, it really matters that we test what we're hearing and believing and sharing with others, because only the true gospel brings us into riches that endure into the age to come. So when John says, test the spirits. He says that this is a test that is both personally and as a congregation and to the ends of the earth for our mission, the most important test that you will ever conduct or be a part of because the destination is heaven, because the journey that we're on and the work we're given has eternal significance. And because the treasure of knowing the true and living God will bless us in this world and into the age to come. So don't trifle with truth. Don't think, well, it doesn't really matter what I listen to. As long as it's vaguely about God and about Jesus, that's probably enough. Now John says to this congregation who were being deceived by those who talked about God and Jesus and salvation, you need to attend carefully to what you're listening to. You need to test the spirits and make sure that the message you're listening to is really from God. It's really the Holy Spirit's work. It's really about the Jesus who actually came to save us from our sins. Test the spirits. Because only the authentic Jesus, only the true word of God, can bring you into that salvation, bring you uh, into that community of people who is on their way to heaven. So test the spirits. What does John mean by testing uh, the spirits? Well, he means uh, that we must uh, be careful how we listen. 
Uh, see there uh, how in verse 1, if you've uh, got the uh, Bible open uh, already, that's great. If you haven't, I would encourage you to have 1 John 4 uh, open so that you can uh, look at this. Uh, it would be an irony, if, in fact, if you didn't open this particular passage, because the prime application of John's word here is make sure that you're listening carefully to what someone like me says to you, that it really is authentic. If you're sitting here thinking, gosh, how long is the sermon going to be, and I can't be bothered opening the Bible, you've rather missed John's point uh, in a fairly uh, uh, depressing way. So please listen to what John says and see if what I'm saying measures up. That's what he says. Test the spirits. And how do we test spirits? Well, spirits inwardly uh, are given evidence outwardly by words. That's why he talks of testing the spirits and false prophets in the same sentence. The spirit within is what leads to the prophecy, the verbal testimony without. And so it's not uh, some sort of uh, making windows into men's souls, as Queen Elizabeth I told us we should not do, uh, that John is speaking of. He's saying, no, just listen. Listen to the words that those who claim to be bringing you a message from God are speaking. And as you listen to their words and weigh them up, you will be able to test the spirit which is giving rise to those words. Test the spirits, that is, listen and discern uh, whether there is true or false prophecy that you're attending to. And be clear, he says, too, uh, on the origin uh, of uh, the, uh, uh, the words that you're hearing. He draws this contrast a number of times uh, in this uh, passage Uh, Test the spirits, he says, to see whether they are uh, from God uh, or from the world. Uh, Again, uh, this is how you recognize the spirit of God and contrast that to the spirit of the Antichrist. Or again, in verse 6, the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. There is a clear dividing line. This is binary. Uh, And in a world which doesn't like things to be binary, We need to recognize that spiritual truth is. It is either from God or the world. It is either the spirit of God or the spirit of the Antichrist, that is, the evil one himself. It is either the spirit of truth or the spirit of falsehood. John says, make up your mind, listen to what you're hearing, and that will enable you to discern its origin. Is it from God? Is it animated by the Holy Spirit? Is it true? Or is it from that which is currently popular in the watching, unbelieving world? That which has its spiritual origin, not in heaven, but in hell, at the abode of the Antichrist. Is it lies? For he loves lies. He's the father of lies. Well, you must make up your own minds, John says. Test the spirits, listen, and determine the origin uh, of where these messages come Now, when he says, dear friends, at the beginning of verse 1, he he does mean that in the plural. Uh, I, uh, in fact, the last time I preached on this, and you can listen to that if you want to, it was 12 years ago, Uh, it's on our church website. Uh, I applied this very much in terms of a personal weighing up of what we hear, and I don't think that's wrong. In fact, it's absolutely essential that every one of us individually has an open Bible, open ears, and listens discerningly. Is what I'm listening to true or false from God or the Antichrist? But John is writing to a church, a church community. 
And he says, dear friends, test the spirits. And actually what he's saying here is that there is a corporate sense in which as the local church, we should be listening together to that which purports to be from God. We need one another's help. Uh, In fact, one of you I was corresponding with this week over a sermon we'd both listened to uh, in another place, and it was so helpful having the insights uh, from that brother who corrected my uh, wrong interpretation of the word that I'd heard being preached. And it was together as we reflected on it and uh, shared our thoughts on it together that we were able to come to a better uh, understanding of that which we had been listening to. God places us in local churches. John was writing to just such a one, uh, one of a network almost certainly uh, in modern-day Turkey, uh, the ancient uh, Asia Minor, uh, or the, uh, the seven churches that are named uh, in the beginning of the book of Revelation. It's almost certainly uh, this is one of those that John is writing to here. So test the spirits. Come together in your small groups. Uh, talk together after hearing a Sunday sermon uh, and discern What is of God in what we've just heard together? 500 years ago, we had uh, the Reformation across Europe, uh, and and that rebirthed uh, the right of individual judgment. Sometimes Catholics criticize Protestants uh, by saying, well, you rejected the Pope, but now you've all become popes, and there are endless divisions among you. And just as we rightly regained uh, the right to test the spirits individually, so in a sense we also lost that important corporate sense in which the people of God test together uh, that which claims to come from him. We need each other in the local church if we are to rightly hear the word of God. So uh, that's enough by way of uh, introduction. Uh, John says then as he comes on, and there are two of them, uh, these are the two tests by which you can identify if that which you hear is truly from God of the Spirit and is true. And more than that, he says here in uh, verse 2, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God more literally. This is how you can know the Spirit of God. What an awesome promise. We can know the Holy Spirit. We can know the Father. We can know the Son. Here, John says, we can know the Spirit as well. And we know the Spirit as we receive from God that which is truly his word. So, what are the two tests that John gives us as we come to test that which we hear to discern whether it is from God? Uh, The first one is what uh, we might call the test of content. Uh, And it's specifically around uh, which Jesus uh, is being preached. Which Jesus is being preached. Uh, Every spirit, he says, uh, that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. These false teachers who were plaguing John's uh, congregations were preaching Jesus, but they weren't preaching that Jesus was the Christ, that is the king, uh, come down from God, and that once he had become God incarnate, he remained so as he went back to heaven in the ascension and is still today the man who is God at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, even at this very moment, in heaven. 
Instead, they said something like, uh, well, Jesus is the greatest expression of who God is ever to have walked on the earth. We've never had teaching like his. I've never seen love like his. I've never seen a cross like that where he died. And so far we're saying, well, that sounds good. But then they would go on to say, but he was only, as it were, appearing to be God with us. Uh, the spirit of Christ descended on him, but, but then departed again. And then he died, just as a normal man. And the spirit of Christ uh, returned to heaven. They were very ambivalent about whether there was a real resurrection, because the body did not matter to them too much. Well, it matters to Jesus. He inhabited a human body. God came in the flesh, John says. There's no escaping from this. There's no pretense or appearance. That was one of the early heresies. It was literally the appearance of God in Jesus. Not at all. He is God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Literally the with us God is who we worship. Fully God and fully man. And having become uh, uh, born as a baby, having uh, been incarnate uh, of the Virgin Mary, so he remains fully God and fully man now. And if that were not true, if he were only appearing to be God in the flesh, well then the cross does not achieve what Jesus and his apostles say it achieves. Because if Jesus is not fully a human being, he cannot stand in my place. If Jesus is not fully God, then the price is insufficient to reconcile me to God. Now, only a fully incarnate son can reconcile us to our heavenly father. And yet there were many then and today within the professing church who would say, well, we don't really believe in the virgin birth. A group of uh, clerics uh, uh, some years ago even published a book, uh, all of them ordained ministers of the Church of England, called The Myth of God Incarnate. Extraordinary. Have they not read 1 John? Well, they were doing the work of the Antichrist. Uh, They didn't say that, of course. That would make it rather too easy. It wasn't published by Satanic Press. It was probably published by one of the respectable theological houses. You see, these tests aren't always easy. Because the people we need to test are those who wear these and stand in these. But we need to do the testing. Are they preaching the real Jesus, God in the flesh, uh, who alone is our substitute and who alone has taken away the sins of the world such that as we trust in him and him alone, we will come through to know our Father and have our sins forgiven and a new righteousness given to us by faith alone. There are many who will say, Jesus is wonderful, but there are other paths up the mountain. Oh, Jesus is a great moral teacher, uh, of course, but the only Savior? I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. As Jesus said, well, for many, that's just a step too far. Uh, It causes offense and division, and so we withdraw from it. And we just preach Jesus as one of many ways to God. How to do that, says John, is the work of Antichrist. Is it the real Jesus, the God in the flesh, only way to the Father, Jesus? 
Well, if it's not him, then it's a false Jesus, a Jesus who cannot save you. Then John says, as a word of encouragement before he comes uh, to the second uh, test, uh, you, dear children, are from God uh, and have overcome them. That is, uh, have overcome these false prophets and the Antichrist that animates them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. It didn't feel like that to the members, the remaining members of John's congregation. It often doesn't feel like that to us because these great and intelligent men with PhDs uh, seem so sophisticated as they deny our simple faith in Jesus, God in the flesh, who died on the cross for my sins. But in the end, he who is in you, that is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus who is in you, uh, is greater even though in human terms it often appears to be quite the opposite. And he will sustain you in your simple faith in Jesus all the way to the end, no matter what the great ones uh, may say. He will sustain you indeed, uh, not only against false teaching, but over every obstacle that comes in our way, every season of suffering, every period of doubt, uh, every wrestling with outward circumstances that seems to campaign against us keeping on trusting in Jesus. He who is in you is greater. He will keep you going in weakness to discover his strength. He will keep you going at the end of your resources to discover that his grace is sufficient for you. That was very much the testimony, wasn't it, of our dear sister Alison, uh, who we sent home to be with the Lord. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That was Paul's words. But John here is saying the same thing. You are from God if you've trusted in this Jesus. And the one who is in you is greater. And he will sustain you because in the end he will prove his victory. So what is the faith we need? Well, uh, just one final observation from verse uh, 2 and verse 3. This word acknowledges, every spirit that acknowledges Jesus uh, is the same word actually as confess. Every spirit that confesses Jesus uh, is from God. That's the same word that John used earlier in the letter when he said we must confess our sins. Uh, so John is talking about real faith here. You know that situation in your family if you've uh, got Uh, children when one of your children has transgressed against the other and you line them up next to each other and you say you say sorry to your brother because you walloped him and now he's crying and out comes from pursed lips and with inflamed eyes I'm sorry don't really mean it do they at that point they've said the words but that's not a real confession Or so it is here. Uh, The one who is in us enables us to make the good confession, a heartfelt confession of our sins, chapter 1, but here of our faith. We cling on to him with every fiber of our being when all around has failed us, even at times to our shame, the institutional church. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Hold on to him, and in the end you will come through to his victory. Well, finally, the second uh, test is the origin, which word uh, is being proclaimed and relied on. Uh, you, uh, verse uh, 5, uh, they are from uh, the world, 
and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world uh, listens to them. Notice the other language of verbal communication. The world uh, speaks, and the world listens. And then the contrast in verse 6, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. It's all about words. Whose words do you trust? And we, as John, live in a world where there are many powerful, strident voices that would deny our faith and ridicule our Jesus and tell us that we are madmen for believing this ancient, crippled, declining religion of Christianity. Now, the world's voices are insistent and they are powerful, and there will always be, in fact, the stronger the opposition from the world and the greater the speed of the decline of the visible church, the more people will pop up who try to straddle the two and hold together light and darkness, God and the Antichrist, and say, We can have God and Jesus. And heaven, but we can also have, because we think that will make us more popular and relevant, the world's values and the world's culture and the world's morality. Let's have them all together, and then maybe the church will survive. Oh, John says, no, that's just a nonsense. You must choose which voice you listen to. You can't merge them, you can't have both. And those who speak from the viewpoint of the world will find a ready audience. And there will be much BBC religion devoted uh, to such endeavours. And they'll have great viewing and listening figures because there are many with itching ears who want to think we can have God and the world. And when we try to have both, well, the one thing we lose, of course, is God. And so John says to us, uh, and he's speaking here in verse 6 of the, uh, the apostolic we, This is not something we can uh, take onto our lips. I can't say, I am from God and whoever knows God listens to me. That would be a sign of madness, uh, at the very least of arrogance. But remember who's writing. This is John who saw and heard and touched and therefore now testifies to the word of life that Jesus gave to him to give to the church and to give to the world for all those who will believe until the end of time. No, John says, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Do you want to know the Spirit of God? Well, then listen to the Bible, because that's what John is saying here. Uh, We are from God, these apostles and prophets, and whoever knows God listens to us. It's a sure sign Uh, that someone is no longer listening to God, whatever the color of their shirt, uh, when they say, well, I know the Bible says that, but really we need in the modern world to do this or that or believe this nowadays. Because we've moved on, don't you know, uh, from those primitive men of the ancient world. Well, the world will listen and briefly applaud before ignoring the now irrelevant church. But those who know the Holy Spirit... Well, listen to the apostles and prophets' word. And whoever is not from God, well, they won't listen. Uh, That's what John says. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is absolutely uh, vital. It isn't about majorities. I was uh, reading with uh, one of my children in our Bible study this uh, last week uh, the story of uh, King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat. You can read it. It's a great story, uh, 1 Kings chapter 22. 
Uh, they want to know, should they go up and attack Ramoth Gilead? Ahab assembles 400 prophets. Wow, that's a lot of clergy. Uh, and they all bring him the same message. Go forth, Ahab, into victory. I mean, they pray. They're very religious. They use the Lord's name. Go, Ahab, and gain victory over Ramoth Gilead. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, says, isn't there one real prophet of the Lord we could listen to? I'd really like to hear of someone who actually is really listening to God. And along comes Micaiah, son of Imla. And after a little prompting, uh, he says, uh, well, Ahab, you're going to get slaughtered and the whole people are going to be defeated. Ramoth Gilead is going to be disaster and death. Well, it doesn't go well for Micaiah initially. He gets locked up uh, because uh, they listen to the 400. And of course, what happens? Well, God's prophet proved to be God's prophet. Ahab dies, the people are defeated. But if there'd been a general synod meeting, and the house of clergy, who we can roughly approximate to the 400 prophets, it would have gone through synod 400 to 1. And it would have been in the front page of the newspapers, uh, Church of Israel decides to do X. And isn't this wonderful? Finally, we've listened to the world and gone with its agenda. And here comes victory. And the next week, death and defeat. Synodical majorities do not reveal the will of God. The word of God reveals the will of God. However many people in the professing church attend to it. Now John says, we, as in he and Paul and James and the others, the apostolic authors of the New Testament, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. So friends, when you want to know in the confusing mix of voices, when you go on YouTube or listen to the radio, how do we know what God is really saying to us? Test the spirits. Listen carefully. And these are the two tests. Are you hearing the real Jesus, God in the flesh who came to save sinners like you and like me, who rose bodily from the grave, who reigns over all of heaven and earth uh, even now, and who one day will return as judge of the living and the dead? Or is it some watered-down version that really is the Jesus of the Antichrist? And whose voice are you listening to? The voice of a religious majority or the voice of the prophets and apostles of God? One will always be more popular in our culture and the watching world, but the other will bring us the message of heaven and take us there one day if we will receive it. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we're about to sing. We have a gospel to proclaim, and we thank you that that is wonderfully true, that you are your Father's Son, that you even now are reigning and at his right hand and interceding for us. And Lord, as we falter in faith, as we go through our dark valleys, as we hear so many persuasive voices that tell us we can have you and what our sinful hearts desire. Please may we know the reality of this promise, that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And so would you keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord Jesus, trusting you with every fiber of our being, confessing from our hearts that you are our Lord and you are our Savior. And Lord Jesus, we pray for the church. We pray for our own church. We pray for the church in this land that we would be faithful 
to the written word of God. Not so that we might be worshippers of a book, but so that we might know the spirit, that we might hold fast to your word to us that alone brings us life in all its fullness. Oh Lord Jesus, glorify yourself amongst us, in our hearts, in this church, we pray. Give us real faith, real love, real devotion. As we ask to your Father's glory.